Hi everyone, Pastor Steve here, uh, Wednesday night Bible study, glad you could uh, join us <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, we're doing the Gospels, part 18, can you believe it? We've done 17 weeks already of putting the Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, John kind of tell one story. We're not doing uh, every single verse, but we're kind of putting the Gospels together to get uh, the continuity of what the four Gospels are saying and put it together sort of in in chronological order. So where we left off last week, Jesus is in the garden. Last week of his uh, last few days of his life, uh, he's in the garden. Passover has been celebrated. Uh, The Lord's Supper has been instituted. Uh, And so now it's... uh, in the garden. And so we're going to pick up our study. And just a reminder that right next to the link on the webpage, there's uh, my downloads, my uh, uh, my outlines are there. So you can download those uh, or open them up. And so you can follow along or make your notes uh, as need be. So we're going to do, we're going to start off with Jesus' betrayal and arrest. Uh, Matthew. 26 of reading verses 47 to 56 and as always if you look on the outline you see in dark print in bold letters Matthew 26 that means that's what the topic we're going to be that's the the passage we're going to be reading but the ones that are are not in bold case that's just uh, where the other gospels uh, uh, speak of the same thing. So you can read those Gospels and get a, a more rounded picture of it. But for us, I just uh, <clears throat> don't want to read every single verse on it. So, But anyway, Matthew 26, verse 47 to 56. It says, While they were still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a great multitude, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now think about that for a second. The chief priests, you know, the holy ones, the ones who are supposed to be uh, showing us God, uh, they show up with what? Swords and clubs, along with other people. Right there is a red flag. We, we have a problem there. Verse 48. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I shall kiss, he is the one sees him. And immediately he went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi. And kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Hold it there. You know, Jesus has his ministry to fulfill. And Jesus is, comes as a servant. He comes as, you know, the lamb led to slaughter. Uh, It's not about warfare. It's not about fighting here. Uh, You know, he's saying, I have my work that I have to fulfill. I have to go on the cross. This is what I have to do. <clears throat> Therefore, you know, if you start fighting with swords and doing all these things, you, you, you will die in this. And I need you to stay alive because these same people were going to be the ones who are going to be establishing the church. So verse 53. 
It says, Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he, he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? In other words, he says, Realize who I am, and uh, thanks, but I really don't need your help. If I if I needed help, I could bring the angels, you know, to uh, to help me. Verse 54, How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? And at that time, Jesus said to the multitude, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left and fled. A couple things. He says <clears throat> to those that are coming for him, he says, you know, why are you coming at me with it this way? Am I some sort of criminal or robber that you have to come at me this way? You saw me all the time. I was in the temple. I was sitting there. I was teaching. I was walking about. I was going. I was coming. And you didn't do it then. But now you do it. But notice that last little line there. Then all the disciples left him and fled. <clears throat> wow. Here's Jesus having taught them, called them, taught them for three and a half years, uh, ate with them, they saw the miracles, he teached them signs, wonders, all these things, uh, even told them uh, by what kind of death he was going to have to suffer. And then now when this happens, they leave, they run and free, flee. You see, this is humanity, you know, self-preservation. This is uh, being scared. You know, a lot of times, uh, let me chase this rabbit for a second. We know what God says, but when we're fearful, or we get that bad report about whatever it is, all of a sudden, we forget what God has said. You know, God has said that he's going to watch out for us. He's going to take care of us. But in the midst of whatever's going on, sometimes we just forget that. And we just want to flee and run. And we forget that God is with us. So the, here they have, they're coming to arrest him. The disciples left him and they fled. And so now they take Jesus before the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin is the ruling council of the Jews. Uh, you know, you have the Roman Empire that had their court, but then you also have the Jewish people who were able to settle disputes uh, among themselves through the Sanhedrin. And they were made up of uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, prominent people. And if you had an issue before you brought it to the Roman rulers, you brought it to the Sanhedrin. Many times it could be handled right there. There were some things, punishments, that had to go through the Sanhedrin, then to the Roman court. Some things could have just been handled by the Sanhedrin, like, you know, disputes among families and things like that. But here you have people coming not only to arrest Jesus, but to have him crucified. That's going to have to go through the Roman courts. But first of all, it's going to have to go through their own court of law. So pick up the story, Matthew 26, verse 57. And those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were gathered together. 
chase a rabbit real quick. I don't know if you heard or remember. You can actually Google this, put in the name Caiaphas, and write, and then put in uh, Bone Box. Uh, bone Box. I said that right. Caiaphas, comma, Bone Box. Uh, I think it was about 10, 12 years ago, they were digging around in Jerusalem, and they came up with a, uh, a Bone Box. Box. You know, when you died, your bones, they would wait for the flesh to decay off the body. Then your bones would be taken, assembled, put them in a bone box called an ushery. And uh, they found a bone box with the name Caiaphas on it. Uh, we don't know for sure that it is the Caiaphas, but I think it's very interesting that the Bible uh, points out Caiaphas, the high priest, and here, 2,000 years later, uh, we found a bone box with Caiaphas' name, Caiaphas' name written on it. Verse 58. But Peter also was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. So the disciples fled, but Peter was way at a distance following, seeing what was going on. Verse 59. Now the chief priests and the whole council, this is a Sanhedrin, kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. You know, see, they had to come up with something. They had to come up with a reason uh, to to put Jesus to death. Now, just because they didn't like him, they had to come up with something to frame him with. So they were trying to find some false testimony or something that he said or something that he did. So now verse 60 and they did not find any even though many false witnesses came forward but later on two came forward and said this man stated I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said to him do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you shall tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I will tell you, hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. They're trying to get Jesus, you know, the Lamb led to slaughter, to to kind of testify against himself, to kind of, in a sense, admit guilt to something, even though what they're talking about is Jesus was uh, prophesying about what was going to happen 40 years later, that the uh, uh, temple was going to be destroyed. And so, you know, they're they're trying to they're trying to trap him. They're trying to uh, collude. They're trying to do anything they can. And so Jesus answers them. And then verse sixty five. Then the high priest tore his robes, saying, "He has blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy." In other words, he's trying to say he spoke out against God. He said something uh, against God. He he, you know, he refuted God. That's what they're trying to get him on on here. Verse 66, what do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. So you have this 
mob mentality. Obviously, a bunch of ringers for the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, those who wanted to see Jesus put to death. You know, we're not talking about a cross-section of the, of the people here of outstanding citizens. And uh, just another side note. What's interesting here is they're talking about blasphemy, or they're talking about Jesus has broken the law of God in all of this. Well, you know, the hypocrisy in all of this is that they did this on Passover. Passover is you are to do no work. They convened uh, the ruling council. They convened the Sanhedrin to do this. They broke the law of God to do what they were doing, trying to say Jesus broke the law of God. You know, that's just total hypocrisy. Just just total blatant hypocrisy. Pointing fingers at everyone else, but not at themselves. Look at what you're doing, you know, in the midst of all all of this. Uh, verse 66, what do you think? They answered and said he is deserving of death. 67, verse 67. Then they spat on his face, beat him with their fists, and others slapped him, and said, Prophecy to us, you Christ. Who is the one who hit you? Uh, how terrible is this? Uh, Jesus, Messiah. Uh, who did what? Came in the name of the Lord, preaching the word of God, uh, outstanding teaching, signs and wonders, miracles. What did he do to deserve this kind of treatment? You know, this is, this is ignorance. This is blind ignorance. This is hate. This is uh, uh, anti-Christ. You know, this is anti-God. Uh, this is just evil. Uh, you know, there's no reason for them to behave in this manner. And so now verse 69 is basically uh, 69 to 75. I don't have to read it, but this is where Peter denies Jesus three times and realizes that. Remember last week he spoke about, uh, he says, before the uh, cock crows three times, you will deny me. Uh, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And uh, this is exactly what Peter does. Because he's standing off to the side, and then someone says, aren't you one of the ones that was with him? And other people start to point out, yes, this is you You were with this, this Jesus guy. And so he starts denying and saying, no, no, I wasn't. You know, and that's the, deni the denial. Three times he denied Jesus. And it's just, you know, so interesting because G Peter just hours before said, Jesus, I will be with you even unto death. You know, but before we get too hard on Jesus, on, on, on Peter, remember that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We, we all need repentance. We all need forgiveness of sin. And so, you know, obviously we know that Peter is forgiven. Peter is a leader of the early church, preaches the, the, the first sermons to the church, uh, outstanding leader of the, of the early, early church. But yet, you know, he, here he is in the moment of trial, the moment uh, that changes the world. You know, uh, uh, he, he, he denies, he denies Jesus. And so before we get, you know, too hard on Peter, realize, you know, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So chapter 27 starts out. Uh, now, 
When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away to to deliver him up to Pilate, the governor. This is where they now take him before the Roman authority. He was before the Sanhedrin. So sometimes people wonder, okay, well, why did they go through two different groups? Because the, the, the Sanhedrin did not have the power to put someone on crucifixion. They had the power, the authority to bring someone on charges uh, to the Roman governor. But the Roman governor still had to rule. He could overrule uh, uh, what, they, what they brought and what they did. So now it's morning, sun up. And they're bringing Jesus uh, to him. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3 to 10. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. Here's Judas repenting and you know, before the chief priests and you know, they're they're so hardened of heart that they say, What does that matter to us? Just go on your way. You know, we're not we're not worried about you. We're worried about us and our position and in our status and, and all this stuff. See to that yourself. Verse 5, And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed, and he went away and he hanged himself. And the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, Is it not lawful to put them Is it not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, since it is the price of blood? And they counseled together with the money bought and the potter with the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Uh, Again, fulfilling scripture, you have the death of Judas here. Uh, You know, just a theological note here and something to ponder. Because when you you think of Judas, uh, what do you think of? Uh, You know, betrayal. Uh, You know, he was a thief. But do you ever think that he he felt repentance. He felt remorse. And then he went out and he he hung himself. You know, for Judas, there was, in his mindset, there was no redemption. There was no way of turning back. Uh, now, understand that within the framework of what Jesus Christ came to do. That the work on the cross... Uh, makes repentance a reality. You see, without the work on the cross and the burial and the ascension, you know, to the right hand of the Father, uh, repentance will not work. Uh, you have no place to go. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, 
because of what happens now we enter the kingdom of God uh, through our repentance, acknowledgement of, of, of what we've done. So right there in that, that little story there, uh, you know, is the difference between death and life. It's the difference between no hope and hope. And sometimes uh, you might want to consider this particular passage if you're trying to uh, preach the gospel to someone or you're trying to, uh, or you're talking to someone that feels like they have no hope or there's no way out or their sin is too great. Tell them this story. Refer to this particular passage, you know, where Jesus now gives us that hope uh, through him that Judas uh, felt uh, he did not did not have so now the trial before Pilate this happens before he goes to to Pilate Matthew 27 verse 11 11 to 14 now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him saying are you the king of the Jews and Jesus said to him it is as you say wow look at that and while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Here's Pilate, who has his man come before him, and says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, it is as you as you say. And then he hears all these accusations against him. And, you know, he's amazed. It's like, oh, what's going on here? This isn't making any sense. This man is, is, is not guilty of the things that you say he is. And he's amazed that he's, he's not offering up a defense. Again, our Passover lamb, a lamb led to slaughter. You know, uh, this is God. Now think about it for a second. Think about the sacrifice here. The the breadth and width of the, of the, and the depth of the sacrifice. We're talking about Jesus Christ, God incarnate. God could have said, okay, that's it. I'm not going on the cross. I just grant uh, repentance and redemption. Uh, just say, uh, Jesus, let me off the hook and we're good. But he doesn't do that. He goes through the whole thing, fulfilling the law, fulfilling the act of a death required for sin, and he takes it upon himself to do that. You know, so when it says God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Understand that in the in the light of what is going on in this passage and in, in what's about to happen. You know, uh, uh, God takes it fully on himself. And... Uh, Pontius Pilate here is amazed at what's going on. Oh, you place there in Matthew. We're going to kind of come back to it. Uh, but go over to Luke chapter 23. Because Luke says something that Matthew uh, doesn't here. Luke 23, verses 13 to 14. And Pilate summoned the chief priests and rulers of the people and said to them, You brought me, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No 
nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. You can go back to Matthew. Here you have Pilate saying, this, this man hasn't done anything. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you bringing him here? He has done nothing. Uh, uh, but you know the people you know when you have this, this this mob and they're being you know mob mentality you know you can you can incite people to do all kinds of things you know and I mean it, it's, it's, it's a it goes on all the time you know if, if you want to get people to gather a crowd to protest something there, there's ways to do it if you want to, if you want to get an angry mob together, there's ways to do it, and people will do it. And you know whether they actually know what's going on or not, they will join that mob crowd, and they have that mob mentality. It's like it's like, you know, in cities where we've had riots and different things go on, you know, all of a sudden there's there's lawlessness, and then all of a sudden people do things that they normally would not do, you know, when the law is in place. All of a sudden now they do all these things that they wouldn't think of doing before or they weren't able to do before. Now all of a sudden they're doing these things. Uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. So back in Matthew chapter 27. Verse 13. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So that the governor was quite amazed. Now verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the multitude any one prisoner whom they wanted. It was still Passover, by the way. Uh, even though it's, it's, it's the next day, Remember, a Jewish day uh, ends and begins with sundown. So sundown, the day is is over. The new day starts. So they were that night. Uh, they were celebrating Passover. So it's it's so from sundown uh, all the way through the next day until sundown, it is still Passover. So the day of the feast now, because it's only been through the night, through the day of the feast now, you know they they would release a prisoner. You know, Pilate would do something to the people, and they, you know, kind of a gift uh, for them, you know. And uh, realize, let me chase this rabbit real fast. The governors, uh, uh, they had a big, big, big problem on their hands. And then even Herod, the ruler of, of uh, Judea, under Roman authority. You see, Roman rule, Rome ruled the area. Roman soldiers were there as a police force. But you had governors whose job was to keep the people happy. Because the governor had to keep the people happy so that they wouldn't riot, so they wouldn't revolt, so they would pay their taxes, so they would do the things that the uh, Roman government told them to do, and that they wouldn't have to come in and, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with the Roman army and all this other stuff. So if the governors kept the peace, they were looked upon favorably by Herod. If they couldn't, uh, then they were looked upon uh, badly by Herod, 
who then would be looked upon badly by Caesar back in Rome. So you have this little chain of command. And so the whole point was keep the people happy. And don't don't cause any things that would, would cause problems. And so on one hand, you would have, you know, for Romans, in the, in the Roman uh, uh, governor, uh, you would think, you know, well, here's this Jesus. He's a, he's, a, he's a rebel rouser. Yeah, I want to get rid of him. But he can't find any fault in him, you know. And uh, his job is to keep peace. But at the same time, he says, I, I, I just don't see what you're saying. You know, so, but anyway, back to verse 15, chapter 27 of Matthew. It says, Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to release for the multitude any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they were holding at that time a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Then therefore they were gathered together. Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ, meaning Messiah. So he brings out this horrible, notorious prisoner, Barabbas, that they all knew, and and Jesus is there. Jesus has done nothing. But do what? Teach them? Heal them? Signs and wonders? Uh, came, you know, even if even if you didn't get the bigger picture at that moment uh, of Jesus Christ as you know as Jesus as as Messiah, you would have to say this man's done nothing but good things. You know, he's healed the sick, the lame, he's given sight, he's, he's he raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, uh, he's done so many good things. He's he's been in the synagogues. He's been in the temple. You know, he's been teaching us with with us with an astounding message and word and and all these things. And and now all of a sudden, uh, uh, they're going to turn against that. You know, again, this is mob mentality. These are people that are not dealing with what's actually going on. So. Verse 17 again. When therefore they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who was called the Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. Now we get a little insight. Because of envy. Who was envious? The ones that delivered him up. So he's sitting there saying, Okay, I got you Sadducees, Pharisees, Sanhedrin, you're envious of this man because he's doing what you can't do. He's he is what you are not. Yeah, interesting insight by uh, Pontius Pilate. Verse nineteen, and while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, "Have nothing to do with the righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream." Because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and put him to death. Interesting. Pilate's wife says, Leave the Jesus guy alone. I had a dream. And I suffered greatly because of this. She's trying to warn him. She's saying something's going on here. But uh, uh, verse 20 But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for. For Barabbas. Again, mob mentality. 
You know, you get somebody standing up and shouting, you know, uh, deaf to whoever or down with whatever, and then people pick it up. And it's just, it's just this crazy mob mentality that has no rhyme or reason to it. Verse 21. But the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Because remember, his job is to keep the people happy. He understands what his wife says, but his job is to keep these people happy. Because if, if they're happy, then his job in his head is safe. Because Herod's going to come down on him, and Herod could have him crucified. He, Herod could have him put to death. So, again, he takes them back to the people. The people said they want Barabbas released. 21. Pilate said to them, Then shall I, then what shall I do with Jesus, whom is called the Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Pilate, trying to bargain with the people, trying to use some sort of psychology on the people, you know, trying to do everything he can to get them to change their mind, to say, look at, this is an innocent man. This other guy is, just, is, is a horrible criminal. What are you doing? What are you saying? You know, he's trying to get them to really look at this. And then finally, when he sees they can't do it, as a gesture, he washes his hands uh, in front of the multitude saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and our children. Wow. Just cursed themselves. His blood be on us and our children. Uh, again, the need for repentance, the need for forgiveness that only God can give. Uh, you know, again, we're called to preach the gospel, the good news. Why? Because of sin, because of people, because of our sin nature, because of the things that we do, the things that we don't do, what we don't recognize, what we uh, do in ignorance or in error, or or we just blatantly don't care. You know, uh, um, you know that's a, that's a, that's a tragic thing. There, I'm going to end this right there with that. And just kind of meditate on, on that. You know, and all the people answered and said, "His blood be on us and our children." Next week, we're going to pick up. Uh, the story with the scourging and going on to the the cross. So probably about two more weeks in the Gospels, I think, and then uh, we'll go into the book of Acts um, in our Bible study. Again, the book of Acts is about the first uh, 35, 40 years of the church, and it's when all the epistles were written, and it's when the church age began and churches were started. So we'll get a good, uh, we'll continue what Jesus uh, came and started so we'll get the history side of it uh, for, from the New Testament. That's the actual, the Gospels and Acts are, are the actual actual history books of, 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 the, of the New Testament period, the beginning of it. You know, uh, again, covers about 40 years, 45 years there of, of, of history. 
So, again, as always, if you have any questions, any thoughts, comments, revelation, uh, anything God's showing you or anything that you've seen, uh, let us know. Because uh, we'd like to uh, uh, respond to that. Or, you know, a lot of times it, it, it takes us down a road where we can talk about some things that uh, maybe we weren't prepared to talk or things that we, we can't talk about that are very edifying. So, again, I, I like the idea of questions. And if uh, uh, you are listening to this broadcast uh, on May 27th, which is a Wednesday, uh, remember that tomorrow, May 28th, at 7 o'clock on YouTube, live, we'll be uh, teaching evangelism. For the next uh, five Thursdays, we're going to be live on Facebook. So you can type in questions and, and different things there. But we're going to be going through how do you evangelize and the need for evangelism and, and all this stuff. And it comes right off the pages of the Bible because, you know, we're called to do that. So I want to just uh, take us through that and do it online while we're, while, we're, uh, while we're going through this time. So let me just close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to go into your word. We thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to the word, opens our ears to hear, opens our heart to receive what we need to receive, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us safe, Lord, that you watch over us, Lord, that you restore all things to us, Lord, and help us during this uh, time of uh, where we're not able to meet as a church, Lord, but as we are now beginning to meet again as a church, Lord, that uh, you put all things in order, Lord, and uh, again, watch over all of us, Lord. So, Father, we just give you praise, we give you honor, and we certainly give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, Amen. Praise God. We'll see you uh, Thursday, see you Sunday, and see you next Wednesday um, at Bible study. God bless. Have a good week, everybody.